Thank you for tuning in again to the Word of Life Ministries podcast for another Spirit-filled message with Rocky Brown. If y'all don't care, share this video. So, we're going to talk about the topic, and what I feel like is probably, single-handedly, the most critically important message that I have ever heard on spiritual warfare. And so, if you don't believe in spiritual warfare, um, that's really bad for you because there is such a thing as spiritual warfare. And if you are a Christian, you are going to experience spiritual warfare. It's going to come to your door. It doesn't make no difference whether you're a pastor or an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, deacon. You could be just a little old uh, elderly woman that just loves Jesus. But eventually, the adversary is going to come against you. And so, let me start out by saying that, first off, that this message about 60% of this content I got from a message that Rick Renner preached called How to Deal with Invisible Forces. Now, I'm gonna, it's important for you all to under, I, I want to tell you the story about how we got to this message and why I know that this is so critically important, okay? So, the last, oh, I don't know, eight months or so of my life has been absolutely some of the most uh, faith-testing challenging times of my life and so as a matter of fact i mean it's been just an absolute it's been pretty much just an absolute war of faith since about the end of may and so but after i heard this after i heard rick preach this message so many things made sense to me that the lord began to minister to me about how this had actually been happening for years and i didn't even know it i had no idea I had no idea what was taking place. So anyway, December wrapped up a just a bad go round. You know what a bad go round is in the rodeo circuit? That means you've just you've just you've got hammered. They they, they call them go rounds, rounds, right? So December wrapped up a really really six seven month period of just bad go round. Well, so just when I thought that the Lord had cleared me from completely from the situation, He does what He does best. So it's important to understand that God tests your heart. It's important to understand that. And tests come to believers. God does not set the circumstances. But that He will permit you to be tested and tried by the adversary. So you'll commonly hear people make the statement, this is a very... This is a very denominational statement in this area is God knows my heart. And the fact of the matter is, is he indeed does. And normally you'll hear, he'll hear people say that when they're saying, well, you know, I'm doing this and this is sin, this, all this, but God knows my heart. And what they're saying is, but God knows that I really love him. But he says it like this. If you love me, do what I tell you to do. So guess what? If you're out cheating on your spouse, but you're saying, hey, God knows my heart, yeah, you're a liar, and the truth is not in you. That's just the fact of the matter. He said, if you love me, do what I tell you to do, right? Don't be cussing people out. Don't be acting. You, you see what I'm saying, okay? So, January 1st. So, I was off for an extended period of time from work. And I'm just going to lay it out. There's some things I normally don't talk about, but you know what? I just feel like tonight, hallelujah. 
I just feel like tonight that, you know what? I feel like the adversary comes against so many people and we don't know how to defend ourselves. And we got people rebuking Satan, get behind me, Satan. And you understand Satan is an entity and not an omnipresent being, right? So Satan's not omnipresent. So you're trying to rebuke Satan. He ain't even fooling with you. You're dealing with another operative of the kingdom. It's important to understand that. So you're calling this entity by the wrong name trying to deal with him. And then that's why devils ain't departing and so on and so forth. So... I feel like the adversary just absolutely has got a ton of people just, I mean, just beating the crap out of them, keeping them from doing what God's called them to do. And so, you know what? Just to kind of quote David, David said to Goliath, he said, you come at me with javelin and sword and spear. He said, but I come to you. I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts. So here's the story. The adversary may be coming against you tonight with attacks and thoughts and, and, and working on you through people and all this different stuff. But I'm going to tell you something right now. If you'll take this message, you'll, you'll, I, a week, I come here in the name of the Lord Jesus to bust his teeth out of his face is exactly what I come to do. He don't want me preaching this message tonight because he knows that if the people will take the content of this message, at, not only will it expose a way that he operates, a primary way that he operates, but it will empower you to know how to deal with the situation that's going on. That's why he don't want this message preached. Now, I have been a, I have listened to Rick Renner. I encourage you to go and follow him. Rick Renner uh, is a pastor out of Russia. He is single-handedly one of the most intelligent people I have ever heard preach and teach the word. And he is into the Greek and all the different stuff. And of course, you all know me, so you know that I am too. So, I, like I said, I got a lot of the notes 60% of this content comes, notes comes from Rick's message that I heard him preach on this topic. So as I'm wrapping up December, it's a new year. I said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, this absolute disaster that has just overtaken me was, was thankfully was contained in one year. And, and now it's not going to go into another year. So I said, glory to God. Thank God for that. So then... January 1st, I begin to get a witness in my spirit that I need to do some extended time praying in tongues. So I get my phone out. I open my voice recorder. I spend about an hour praying in tongues. And whatever the Lord is saying as I'm praying, whatever, I'm, I'm capturing that. Well, he begins. So January 1st, the Lord begins to prophesy to me about the date January 12th. January 12th, January 12th. I said, Lord, I don't know what that means, but I knew that in my spirit that this January 12th had everything to do with that situation that just went absolutely every which way but the right way. So I said, okay, all right. Then the Lord began to, op then the Lord began to talk to me and he said, I want you to keep your heart open for this specific thing. And I said, uh, Lord, <laughs> why? Right? He said, well, number one, I don't want you to, I don't want the adversary to have legal claim against you. So, you know, the adversary is looking for a legal claim against you. It's important for you to understand that Ephesians chapter four, verse 28, Paul says, be angry and do not sin nor give place to the devil. So our sin gives the adversary legal claim to harass us and, and attack us. It's important to understand that. Grace is not a substitute and a covering for sin. 
It's just not. It's important to understand that. Okay, so I'm trying to keep track of my time because I don't want to run too long either, but this is going to take a while. Uh, so I said, okay, Lord, well, you're the king, so whatever you want me to do, Lord. You're my king. Whatever you want me to do, that I'll do. So then the next day, January 2nd, I again am at the house, and I get the and I get the, this sense of urgency in prayer to pray, right? So I go back in, begin praying in tongues, just saying whatever, the, you know, and just endeavor, whatever you want to say, Lord, whatever you want to say. So again, the Lord begins to pray. He said many things about many different things, but again, January the 12th came up again. January 12th, January 12th, January 12th. And it was just like flashing like a sign in the spirit. I've got my eyes closed. I'm praying. I see January 12th, January 12th. I said, Lord, what is that? What's going on with this? Again, I know that this is dealing with this one particular situation that I have thought is completely over and done and, and, and encapsulated. It's completed. It's over. It's done. It didn't go the way I wanted. Wasn't my choice. Wasn't my decisions. But this is where we're at. Now, so I said, okay, well, bless God. Hallelujah. So January 2nd was a Monday. Well. January 3rd was a Tuesday. So that meant January 4th was a Wednesday. January the 4th, the Lord did something to me that I have never had him do to me before. And let me just make a, let me just make a statement right here that the people out there that make this statement, well, you know, if this, you know, not what I will, but what you will, Lord. You know, the Lord said to me, he said, you know, people think that's fun and games till they realize the cup can't pass from them. Because that's what he said. He's in the garden when he says, if this cup can't pass from me, not what I will, but what you will, Father. So that cup, what that mean? He's about to go to the he's about to go to the whipping post, he's about to go to the cross, and he's about to become made sin. Right? So people think it's fun and games. Oh, you know, not what I will, but what you will, Lord. He told me, straight up told me, he said, people think that's fun and games, he said, until they realize the cup can't pass. And that was where I found myself in starting on Wednesday, January the 4th. So the Lord does something to me that I have never had happen to me before. And it was just like he took his thumbs and stuck him in my heart and popped that thing open like you would an orange. And I am now completely, starting on January the 4th, regarding this situation, now I am completely laid bare before the Lord. So, but now, boom, here we are. So then the attack begins. From January the 4th to January the 12th, eight solid days, I sustained the absolute greatest demonic attack and onslaught that I have ever seen or even heard of outside of Scripture. And it was absolutely relentless. It was absolutely relentless, 24 hours a day for eight solid days. On top of, so it's not, so think about this. Not only am I in the midst of this absolute, horrendous demonic attack, I'm also experiencing this crushing pressure from the Lord to be in constant prayer about this situation that he's talking to me about. So I'm getting it from both sides. I got to January 12th, 
and I realized I had spent eight days in eight days in my Gethsemane. See, Jesus, when he began to pray, he said, My soul is sorrowful, exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. I don't know what he went through to the level he went through, but I can tell you I went I've been where he's at, where he went, where he was. For so, and this is the truth as the Lord lives. So I began trying in my own strength to resist this. And Dave Bowman can vouch for this. We are driving down the road January the 6th. It's a Friday. Dave and I are driving down the road. You know, I'm under attack, under attack, under attack. But you know what? I mean, I got a pretty good poker face. So I have pretty good ability to be able to just keep a stone face and nobody really know what's going on. We are driving down 92. We are, we are leaving Upper Mulberry, heading towards Sally Gap. And just like that right there, the Lord jerked every bit of my strength that's out of me to where I couldn't stand before him. So that's what happened to Daniel in the 10th chapter of Daniel. When the Lord appeared to him, he said, my strength left me, and I had no strength to stand before him. And he said, in my, in my vigor left me, so I have no strength and no energy. This is the truth. Dave drove us from, from the Sally Gap pumpkin patch to the Whitley County Airport, and but we got to the airport. I told David, I said, you're going to have to lay hands on me. I can't get out of this truck. I cannot stand. I said, I said, Lord, you, you got, I said, David, you've got, I said, I'm, and the Lord's talking to me the whole time. This is exactly what happened to the prophet Daniel. I said, ah, oh, okay. So David lays hands on me, prays for me. And with about 30 minutes, my strength began to come back. So then I go Saturday, I go Sunday, and I go Saturday night and preach. A message called Unchained the King. I get up the next morning. I know that I'm supposed to be at both services in London on Sunday morning. I know I'm supposed to be. I'd known it for a week. I get up Sunday morning, and I am so, I'm so weak and sick, I can't hardly get out of the bed. But I knew I was supposed to go to the service, both services. So I go, I get up, force myself to get out of the bed, get ready, drive to the service. The Lord speaks to me about something between the two services that I know that he would not have said to me had I not been there pertaining to this situation. Now, you've got to understand, this is, I'm walking around like the devil has a metal trash can over my head, and he is just absolutely beating it with a stick. I mean, it is absolute, nonstop, relentless, demonic onslaught and attack. So, then, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday bring a sequence of events where the Lord told me to do these different things, boom, 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 boom. And Thursday morning, the 12th, well, so I get this message from Rick Renner on Wednesday morning, January the 11th. I am laying on my couch, completely undone before the Lord. I'm rolling back and forth. You know, I've been listening to praise and worship music. I had listened to that reason to praise. I'd been, I'd listened to that. I listened to it for an hour straight. I'm on my couch. I'm so sick. I can't hardly get up. I have no strength, no energy. I can't hardly do anything. I'm laying on my couch. As the Lord lives, if this is not the truth, he strike me deader than Ananias and Sapphira right now. I am laying on my couch. And I'm laying there, and I said, Lord, you have got to do something to help me, or this is going to kill me. I said, Lord, I feel like this is going to kill me. Between the pressure that he's putting on me, he's got my heart laid bare. I mean, I, can't even, I couldn't even attempt to close it. 
He's got it cracked wide open. And there's this pressure to pray. And then on top of that is this demonic onslaught. I said, Lord, you have to do something to help me or this is going to kill me. I mean, like literally, I am like, Lord, this is, I feel like, Lord, this is going to kill me. I understand what he said about my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. I'm laying on the couch. I said that. I rolled over to my right-hand side, sat up on the couch, put my feet on the ground. I look at the TV where YouTube, I've got had YouTube on, and the song, Reason to Praise, is highlighted. All right, so then there's this row. It's in this row that says recommended, and it's highlighted, Reason to Praise. Right beside it is a message from Rick Renner called How to Deal with Invisible Forces. I said, I think I need to listen to this. I said, I, I think I have, to, I have to hear this. And so I've listened to probably hundreds of Rick's messages. I didn't even know this message existed. I listened to this message, and within two minutes, I said, my God, this is exactly what's happening to me. I said, my God, Lord, this is exactly what is happening to me right now. And the Lord began to teach me in the midst of this teaching. And I am fully persuaded that this is the most important content on spiritual attack that you will ever hear in your life. Because many people succumb to this. They are, they are, they are, they are under attack by this and under attack by this and under attack by this and they don't even know where it's coming from and they can't even explain it and they can't even, they're rebuking the devil and they can't even get it to stop. So turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to start reading at verse 35. And it says in verse 35, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. So let me give you, a little, let me give you just a little backstory. okay? So the Lord Jesus is on one side of the Sea of Galilee, and he's ministering to a multitude. Now you have to understand don't let anybody fool you. Everything that Jesus did, he did as a man, led, filled by, and led by the Spirit of God. So he had to receive his, his marching orders from heaven, from his Father, through the Holy Spirit, and this is where we're going. That's why when he was at one place, he said, hey, you know what? I got to go to Samaria. And he found himself at a well in Sychar. John chapter 4. So Jesus is on one side of the Sea of Galilee, and he's ministering to the multitude. And he receives the command from heaven, and he says, let's get on the boat, and let's go to the other side. Okay? Well, what is on the other side of the sea? See, we're going to jump back and forth just a little bit here. So on the other side of the sea is the region of Gadara, the region of the Gergesene. Well, you would read on in Mark chapter 5 that when Jesus gets off the boat, he meets the madman of Gadara, who is filled with the legion of demons, right? Now, Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel only give us details on one man. Matthew's gospel says that there were two. 
Now, there's not a contradiction here. The Lord didn't, the Holy Spirit didn't lose his mind. Mark and Luke focus on the worst part of the case, but Matthew's gospel tells us that there were two demon-possessed men, but one was was far great, greater demonically possessed than the other. So that's why Mark and Luke's gospel focus on the one man. But listen to what Matthew's gospel tells us. Matthew 8 and 28, I'll read this to you, and you can write this down in your notes. You don't need to, you don't need to flip there. Matthew 28 says, When he came to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tomb, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. All right? So exceedingly here is translated from the Greek word leon, and it means greatly or exceedingly beyond measure. So that these two men, when they came out, anybody that came there, the, the attack that these men brought against the people that came that way was exceedingly, exceedingly great. That it says that people couldn't even go that way. All right, so fierce here, translated from the Greek word kalipos, listen to what it says. This word means furious, dangerous, harsh, fierce, savage, troublesome, dangerous. So the Bible tells us that these two men come out exceedingly beyond measure in a fierce, savage, troublesome, perilous, dangerous way against anybody that tries to come down that path. To the point that Matthew's gospel says, so that no one could pass that way. Well, these two guys just didn't have any idea that they were about to go one-on-one with the great one. <laughs> Jesus finds himself on the other side of the sea. Not by happenstance or by coincidence. He receives the command from on high, get on the boat, now it's time to go across the sea, because, son, we've got some business we've got to take care of, all right? The purpose, for the, mission is for G- the purpose of the mission is for Jesus to go set these men and the people of the region that are being terrorized by satanic, demonic power through these people and operatives of Satan's kingdom. It, it's God, God wants to set them free. God wants to set these two men free, and he wants to set the people of the region free. So here goes Jesus, all right? Now, if you go back to Mark's gospel, listen to what's said. It says, on the same day when evening had come, this is Mark chapter 4, verse 35. When evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, They took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared him exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? All right, now the English here is extremely weak. The wording that's used here 
in the English language in this text is extremely weak. That's why we ha it's so important for us to go beyond face value and begin to study. And as I began to listen to Pastor Renner, pa Pastor Rick began to expand upon this Greek, I said, my God, right there it is. The answer's right there. I just see it plain as day. Right there it is. See it just as plain as day. How did I not ever see this? Thank God for men anointed of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Thank God for men that God specially calls to preach on special things that we have to deal with in everyday life that's past salvation. You know, my God, we ought to get these people preaching past the cross. You don't live at the cross. You don't live at the tomb. We're living in the resurrection. You know, and we got everyday stuff that we need to be dealing with. So I don't need to hear the same message two to three times a week about being born again. No, I need to hear some stuff about that will help me live my life successfully. And thank God for the men that accept the call to do what God says to do, to be different, so that, so that way they don't just fit in with their little cliques. Thank God for those men. Thank God for Rick Renner. Thank God for Kenneth Hagin. Thank God for men like them that endeavor to plow the hard roads that no one wants to go down, to get the messages from God, for, to be God's mouthpiece, to get us messages that will help us and reach us in an absolute moment of desperation. Thank God for those men. Hallelujah. And thank God for those women that are doing the same thing. Great. So we're going to do a lot of, we're going to look at a lot of this in depth because I want you to get the picture. Because it's through the study of what is said in the Greek that we get the revelation of the magnitude of what's actually happening here. Because if you read this, you think, well, you know, there's some wind kicking up and the waves are kicking up and the, the apostles, they're just being sissies and whiny babies and they're disturbing Jesus and all this. But when we actually begin to break this down and look at this and you see the magnitude of the attack that they're under, ho, ho, ho. Mm, it's important. Great. All right, so the text tells us that it says that a, and a great windstorm arose. Great, translated here from the Greek word megas, and this word has many definitions, but, pri but primarily a good broad spectrum just definition would be is that this word megas is used to describe something extremely large scale or the size of some, how large something is. Mega, huge, right? Mega, this thing is, the, the, the Holy Spirit wants you to understand that this is not just an atypical storm kicking up on the sea. This storm is huge. This is a huge, mega, large storm. Well, there wasn't any storm when they started sailing. And it ain't but a handful of miles across the Sea of Galilee, I think 15 at its widest point. So, isn't that interesting? that they get on the boat on one side, these experienced fishermen, they, there's at least four of these boys that are experienced fishermen, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. You know, you get someone like me that, that you know, don't ride in a boat much, I mean, I might get panicking, but now you get, you get in the boat with experienced sailors and these boys are panicking, you, got, you know you got trouble. So the Bible tells us that a huge, an extremely large windstorm comes out of nowhere. So it's important to understand that. Let's look at this. If I can get my notes flipped right here. Windstorm, all right? Listen to this. Windstorm would make you think 
that this is just, we think about a windstorm here. Woo, boy, the wind was really blowing. But really, windstorm here is translated from the Greek word animos. Now, listen to how this word is defined. That the, This is why I'm trying to tell you that the English words here are a weak description of what the Greek actually says. So, animos is a violent agitation or stream of air, a very strong, tempestuous wind. But I found that this next definition is the absolute, absolute most interesting definition because here's what it says. This word animos is used to describe the four principal or cardinal winds from the four corners of the earth. So in Job chapter 1, when we see that Job's ten children are in the house on a certain day eating dinner, it says that a great wind came across the plain and struck the four corners of the house simultaneously. Well, you can't have wind coming from... Natural winds don't come from two different directions at the same time. So a supernatural wind from Satan, from Satan, hits this house that they're in, collapses it from the four corners on top of itself, and this is exactly the same kind of wind that comes and tries to sink the boat that Jesus is on. That's not a natural wind. It's important to understand that. A rose here is translated from the Greek word genomai. Genomai gives you the picture of something that comes up out of nowhere. Absolutely out of nowhere. It's something that takes you by surprise. It takes you off guard. You didn't see it coming. I mean, it just, you ever had just something, I mean, just seems like it just hit out of nowhere? Huh? You ever feel like all of a sudden, you know, you're doing good, you're serving the Lord and trying to do this and trying to do that, and then, then all of a sudden, it just seems like you're getting attacked from absolutely every side, and it just came out of nowhere. I have problems now that I've never, with people that I've never had problems with. I'm having trouble in friendships with people that I've been friends with for years that I've never had trouble with. I'm having trouble with my children. I'm having trouble, uh, you see, and it's like it, it just hits all of a sudden, all at once. Genomai, suddenly, out of nowhere, a supernatural wind attacks you. Out of nowhere. Brother Renner pointed out the fact that this passage of Scripture mentions nothing about rain. Not one thing. Not, does not mention one thing about rain. Now, naturally speaking, the disciples could have tried to explain this storm because at the north side of the Sea of Galilee is a set of mountains and the wind patterns that when the wind blows just right and comes down the mountain, that it will slap the seas. And, and, and if the wind keeps going, then the seas become turbulent and the sea begins to act like the earth in an earthquake. But you know, these experienced sailors would have experienced that type of storm. They would have experienced that type of wind. So why are they panicking? You see that? Waves here is translated from the Greek word kuma, and waves, we think, but really, you know, Greek is a very descriptive language, so not only does it describe the wave, but it also describes the action of the wave. 
So when we hear that the waves, kuma, when they started to come, they came one wave after another wave, after another wave, after another wave to the point, now you got to understand, they're under attack from winds from four corners of the earth. Supernatural. And they're looking and they look at the sea and it looks like waves are coming at them from everywhere, from every direction. And it says in that the, in that the waves beat into the boat. The word beat is translated from a compound word, epibalo. Epi, singular, used it by itself, means to, to, to be upon or put upon. Balo means to throw or to hurl. When, I, when you compound these two words together, it gives you the picture of someone snatching something up and hurling it upon something else. Interestingly enough, Brother Renner went in to explain this text just a little bit further, and I looked it up and verified it. This word in the New Testament is never used to describe an act of nature. Not one time. Now, it's used here to describe what the wind is doing to the waves. But every other time, you see that it says it's like, and they laid their hands on Jesus. So when we see that they laid their hands on Jesus, that they violently put their hands upon him, threw their hands upon him in a violent manner. Then we see the word Philly. So it says that, that it says, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Filling here is translated from the Greek word gemitso, and it means to be entirely full. Now, it's important to understand that there is not just one boat on this sea. There's not just one boat in this entourage with Jesus. Because it says now, when they in verse 36, it says, Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and there was other little boats with him also. So primarily, the adversary is trying to destroy Jesus' boat. But he'll kill anybody he can get in his, that he can get in the, in the same shot. So, you know, the primary attack is against Jesus. But if he could get those 12 that was following after him too, that'd be just as good, wouldn't it? You know, interestingly enough, this is the only time that we see a supernatural attack on Jesus' life in the Gospels. This is the only time that we see a supernatural attack to try to take the life of Jesus in the Gospels. So we see that these men, they're on this boat. These trains, a lot of these men are trained sailors. We see now that they're in the midst of an extremely large windstorm that feels like the winds are coming at them from every direction. And now the waves are slamming one after the other, after the other, after the other, into the boat, nonstop, relentlessly. All right? Now, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like, I am under attack, and the attack is coming in waves? Wham! Wham! 
wham, and it's coming from this side. Wham, I got trouble with my kids. I, wham, it's coming from this side. I have trouble with my friends. Wham, it's coming from this side. I got people in the ministry saying things about me that's not true. Wham, 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 and it just feels like from every direction you're getting absolutely hammered. You're beginning to see why the content of this message is so important. Because, see, it's important for you to understand that if you're going to stand against the adversary, you also have to understand how he operates. Because Paul told us that we're not supposed to be ignorant of Satan's devices, his method of operation. Now, in that particular text, he's dealing with unforgiveness. That's 2 Corinthians, where he's addressing the man that had, that, that the first in the first epistle, he said, you have a man that's sleeping with his dad's wife. Now hand him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the great day of the Lord Jesus. So they hand that joker over to the, the, Satan for the destruction of his flesh. So in 2 Corinthians, we see that the man has repented and Paul says, don't keep him on the outside, bring him back in, restore him, forgive him. So that, so that way, Satan has no a way to attack us, to attack you because we should not be ignorant of the way that he operates. It is terribly unfortunate that a very extremely large majority of the people that I deal with do not believe that there is really an adversary. And they are dealing with supernatural attack after supernatural attack after supernatural attack, and they're trying to remedy the problem with natural means. Can you see that? So have you, been, have you been in a position to where you felt like this crazy attack, this crazy mega large attack just came at you from out of literally nowhere and it's hitting you from absolutely every side? Can you see that? It's important to understand that what we're seeing here is a supernatural demonic attack, attack to stop Jesus from getting to the other side to accomplish his mission. People say, well, he's Jesus, and the devil could have killed him. Well, the devil evidently thought that he had a pretty good run at it. Jesus was in a fleshly body. The devil thought he could get a good run at him. Now, he knows that Jesus is fixing to go to the other side and handle some business. Jesus has received the commission from heaven. You need to understand that when you're on the edge of a breakthrough, this is the primary time when the adversary will attack you. So you're on a, maybe you're at the, at the maybe you're at the, the line of a financial breakthrough. Maybe, how many times have you ever felt like you were just about to get to that financial breakthrough and then boom, something happens. It's crazy, a crazy, a vehicle breaks down, something happens, there's this bill that comes up out of nowhere, and now the money that we thought that we were going to be ahead, now, not only are we now, we're set back that much, but that much more. How will you know if this exact thing is coming against you? How will you know if this is what you're up against? You need to look for bizarre attacks that arise out of nowhere or normal attacks that arise out of nowhere and are and but yet are all relentless in their operation 
Have you ever noticed that you, that how many times has it come to your mind that, you know, if I would just quit going to church, this attack would stop. If I just quit serving the Lord, if I just quit telling people about the Lord, this attack would stop. Ladies and gentlemen, it's important for you to understand that the adversary is not, his primary operative, his primary function is not to just stop you, but destroy you. That's what he wants. But if he can't sink your boat, he will gladly try to keep you floating in the middle of the sea with no, no, you're not going to do anything. I see so many people. I've seen so many people. I, it, 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 and I, on, some, on part of it, I understand it, and on other parts of it, it frustrates me to the point that I just about can't hardly stand to look at them because I see these people that I know that were used to serve the Lord, used to sing in church, used to preach the word, and then they just quit. The adversary comes against them, comes against them through a marriage, comes against them through a child, comes against them through a sickness, comes against them, comes against them, comes against them, comes against them, and they just bow right down to the devil and they just quit. And then they go, and now you look at them and you can't tell the difference between them and a lost person. Because one minute they're posting something on Facebook that's filthy, and the next second they're posting something about the Lord. Well, you know what? You know what? Clear and bitter waters can't run the same path. It's so frustrating to me. Yet I understand. Because you know what? I, I mean, I understand. You know, I, I understand why the Lord... It took a somewhat like me, like a that just I mean absolutely just refuses to quit. And I'm not bragging on me, but I mean I'm just to the point to where I'm just not I am just not going to quit. I am not going to quit. Destroy my marriage, I'm gonna keep on trucking. You lie against me in the ministry, I'm gonna keep on coming. You do this, you don't send money, you don't support, you don't help, you don't. It don't make me no difference. I'm going to keep on serving the Lord. Why? Because he raised Cheyenne from the dead. Hallelujah. Because he set Abigail free from the power of the adversary. Because he saved my son's life the night he was born. Because he restored the relationship with me and my oldest daughter to the point that it's like there was nothing ever there. Hallelujah. So you know what? Sometimes when you get knocked flat of your back, sometimes you've got to pick up these things and go, okay, Lord. I have no idea where that come from. But I don't even feel like I can get up. But I, I still got a reason. I still got a reason to praise you. I, st I still got a reason to get up. Because I remember, I remember on December the 30th when I was driving a 1999 Maroon Dodge Dakota past Kinsey Hollow when they gave us the report that there was no baby. And I remember that when I was a lost man, I cried out to you and said, if there's anything you could do to help me, I'll give you my word, I'll do whatever it takes to get right with you. You, you think, you know what the problem with people is? is the pe People think that I'm putting all this stuff on there because I want to be seen. I don't care about these people seeing me. I don't care about these people hearing me. I don't, I don't need these people's praise or accolades or applause or support. I'm living to please the Lord. I'm living to please the one who saved me. I don't care what these people think. I don't care what these people say. I don't care if they like what I got to say, don't like what I got to say, hate that I can wear a cowboy hat. It don't make me no difference. Because I'm living to please the one who died for me. Hallelujah. 
and I'm going to keep on fighting this fight. And I'm going to keep on preaching this word that I know shatters the power of the adversary. Hallelujah. And I know that the Lord of heaven and earth loved me so much that in the midst of a situation that he got me in, (laughs) hallelujah, that he got me in, he's going to bring me out. Hallelujah. He got them Hebrew boys in that fire, and he was right in there with them. Hallelujah. He got Daniel in that lion's den, and he was right there with him. Hallelujah. If the Lord will get you in it, bless God, he'll get you right out of it. Hallelujah. To the heart that will humble themselves in his sight and cry out to him, he will never, ever let you down nor fail you. Mm. Hallelujah. Verse 38. He was in the stern, talking about Jesus, asleep on a pillow. (laughs) Jesus is chilling. In the midst of this. I mean, like, I can't wait to get to heaven and be like, I hope, like, there's a highlight reel. You know what I mean? I hope there's a highlight reel, like, Lord, what did it look like when the devil tried to kill you and you sleep on that boat? Can I see that, Lord? You see me up there. Replay. (laughs) Rewind. (laughs) Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's asleep on a pillow. Now, why? Why was Jesus asleep in the midst of this storm? Because he had full confidence in the one who sent him. He had full confidence in the one that sent him was going to protect him, which was his father, who's greater than all. He wasn't worried because he knew that he had the power over all the devil, over all the power of the adversary. So it didn't make any difference what the devil threw at Jesus. Jesus didn't get overly emotional and go, oh, I didn't see that coming. Where'd that come from? Oh, God, what I do wrong? No, I'm going to tell you something. You'll find yourself tangling with the devil more by doing what the Lord tell you to do than you will by not. And I get quite kind of question these people that say they serve the Lord and they ain't never having trouble. Kind of makes me wonder. It's important here to note that verse 36 tells us, of, like I said, that there were uh, other boats. Now, these heavily experienced sailors, these are heavily experienced sailors. So these boys are not panicking for no reason. We got trouble here, Lord. We're going down. Kind of like me. I'm not an unexperienced person when it comes to being up against the adversary. But you know what? I found myself in a position. I said, Lord, you're going to have to do something here or this is going to kill me. You got to do something, Lord. You have got to do something. I understand. Lord, do you not care that I'm perishing? That's exactly what these sailors are saying. devil was trying to stop Jesus from getting to the demon-possessed men on the other side of the sea. To set them free, to set an entire region free from satanic oppression and oppression. Now, this is not in my notes, but thank God for the Holy Ghost. Verse 20 in Mark chapter 5, 
well, verse, verse, uh, you know, let's go back, um, let's go back to, let's just write this down, you know, so I'm going to read to you. This is Mark chapter 5, I'm going to read you verses 18 through 20. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. You know, you, you know, the Lord do something supernatural for you, and man, you begging the Lord, Lord, let me be with you. Let me be with you, Lord. Let me, uh, Lord, can I just be with you? Like, can I like, is it okay for me to just hang out with you, Lord? Can I do that? Because I love you, Lord, for what you did for me. See, a lot of people need to go back to the foul vault, go back and get what the Lord did for them all those years ago, and remember what the Lord did for them. And after they quit serving him because of the attack. What, what's your motivator? Why are you doing for the Lord what you're doing? You think I care that these people don't believe that the Lord raised Cheyenne from the dead? It don't make me a bit more difference than nothing. I don't care. It don't matter. At all. Period. You start in negative numbers measuring how much I care about what someone does or does not believe, especially does not believe, about the miracle signs and wonders that I've saw the Lord do. You had never one time ever see me say that I did something. It's always, I'm always pointing to the Lord, to the Lord, to the Lord, to the Lord, to the Lord. He's the one. So I don't care what these people think. It'll make me no difference. I don't care. Look at me funny. These same people that, that poke fun at you is the same people that's calling me, texting me, Hey, would you pray for us, brother? I sure will. And when they get their hind in in a sling with dealing with demonic power and they don't know how to deal with it, or they get their hind in in a sling with some kind of sickness, oh, then the guy that's the weirdo, now, now we need him. Yeah, I don't care. I'm proud to be God's mouthpiece, and I don't care a bit. You put me as far out on the outside fray as you want to. It don't make me no difference. I don't care about not fitting in with the Baptists, the Methodists, the Pentecostals, the Catholics, or whatever other organization, the FBI, the CIA, the FFA, the 4-H. It don't make me a bit more difference than nothing because I fit in with J-E-S-U-S. And that's just the end of it. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, now listen, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had compassion upon you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Decapolis was a region of 10 major cities. So this man that was demon possessed now becomes the opening act for the king. He's going into these cities throughout the whole region of Decapolis preaching what Jesus had done for him. Are you? You preaching what Jesus has done for you? But you know, the adversary, he didn't want that man to be set free. But the adversary had no idea in the world that when Jesus set him free, that Jesus is going to light this guy's fire and he's going to go off through 10 cities in a, in a major region like a Roman candle. I mean, he's just, I mean, well, bless God, you get set free from something like that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Why, why, why are we not doing stuff like that? I don't care what people think about me. Like me, don't like me, don't make me no difference. Hallelujah. 
The devil was trying to stop Jesus from getting over to the other side and setting this man free. They said, Lord, do you not care that we're perishing? Perishing here is translated from the Greek word apolumi. It means to destroy fully. To render useless. Put an end, or to put to an end, or ruin, to kill, to be lost or ruined. Lord, do you not care? I'm about to be completely destroyed here, Lord. Do you not care? But Jesus gets up and he rebukes not the wind or not the wave. He rebukes the wind. Isn't that what the Bible says? Then he arose. He didn't speak to the sea first. Why didn't he speak to the sea first? The sea wasn't the problem. <laughs> You'll get this. The sea was not the problem. The waves crashing into the boat was not the source of the problem. Jesus rebuked the wind. Jesus knew that they did not have a wave problem. They had a wind problem. The waves were the symptoms, and the symptoms are usually the distraction to keep your attention off the root of the problem. So Jesus went beyond the visible and dealt with the invisible. Because see, this supernatural wind that was stirring up the natural waves that were crashing into the boat, trying to sink the boat, is what the root of the problem was. So if you don't speak to the wind, the waves will not stop. So how many times have you been there? Wham! 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 And you're dealing with the symptom and not the root of the problem. It says Jesus rebuked. Pentecostal people love this term. We're rebuking everything. We rebuke the devil. We rebuke all kinds of stuff. And about, oh, I guess probably I would have to say that probably if I had to just wager a guess, probably the more I learn and the more I listen to people talk, I'd say that probably 90 plus percent of everything I'm heard, I hear said is, is said from a perspective of absolute ignorance on, sat on demonic power, satanic power, spiritual warfare, and, the root, and dealing with the root of the word. It's important to understand that. So it says, Jesus rebuked the wind. Rebuked here is translated from the Greek word epitomai. And epitomai is another compound word. Epi means to be against or against aggressively. Tomao, epitomao, tomao describes someone's honor. Put these two words together, and it means to aggressively assault someone's honor. Embarrass them. The word rebuke here, Pastor Renner expands and says, the word rebuke here does not describe a single word, but really a string of words to verbally assault and embarrass. So Jesus gets up, lifts his head and his voice and has a conversation not with the waves. Has a conversation 
not with the natural realm. He has a conversation with the spiritual realm. So he looks past the seen into the unseen, looks past the symptom to the source, and speaks to the source. And begins to rebuke them, assault their honor aggressively. You foul spirit. You filthy spirit. Can you see that? So it's important here to understand that when you're in the midst of this type of attack, there is no natural form of remedy. You cannot deal with a supernatural attack with any form of natural remedy. So we see that after Jesus lifts his head and addresses the principalities that are causing the wind, that are slapping the waves up against the boat, it says that Jesus, it says that he said to the sea, peace, be still. Peace here, translated from the Greek word siapao, means to be silent, to hold one's peace. <laughs> and still here, still, this word means to muzzle, to muzzle, to shut up with a muzzle. You know what a muzzle is? A muzzle is something that goes over an animal's mouth or over a person's mouth and forcibly causes them to shut up. So we think quaint little Jesus, little meek mild Jesus said, uh, peace be still. No, 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 he didn't say that. He stood up and he spoke to the wind, rebuked the wind, and then he said to the sea, peace be still. The, the, this English rendering is not, you have to understand Greek is a, is a very descriptive language. So when we look at this, Jesus really looked at the sea and said, shh, and the waves ceased, and there was a great calm. Ceased, the wind ceased, it's translated from the Greek word kapazo. This word is used, defined as to surrender in a fight to grow weary and tired, to cease from violence or raging. Isn't that interesting? It says the wind ceased. The wind ceased. The source of the attack ceased. And then Jesus dealt with the natural by simply going, shh. If you don't speak to the wind, your way, the waves will not stop. It's very. It's just crucially important for you to understand. Then the Bible says that there was a great calm, and after there had been after there had been a great storm, ain't that what it says? It says there was a great storm arose, and then it says there was a great calm. Pastor Renner said this: Jesus will at least match, if not always exceed, what the devil did. So the devil brought a great storm, and Jesus brought a great. He says, why are you so fearful? 
Fearful here is translated from the Greek word delos, and it means faint-heartedness, cowardice, to be fearful. They said, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the, what? See? Do what? Obey him? Hupukau is what this word obey is translated from. It means to hearken to a command. What's that mean? It means the command was issued, and immediately the one that received the command puts it into effect. To be obedient or submit. So think about it like this. I want you to go, I want you to see something here. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Anybody get anything out of this? Is anything is this is this explaining anything? Is this explaining any situations that you've had happen to you in your life? Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> starting at verse 10. Now, it's a very common passage of scripture when addressing spiritual warfare. But I want to focus on two things. So the Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. All right, so let's just stop here just a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no need for you to go through some type of fake ceremony where you get up every day and say, I'm putting on the armor of God. I'm putting on the armor of God. I'm now putting on the helmet of salvation. I'm now putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Don't do that stuff. That's nonsense. And don't get with your friends and help your friends put their armor on. Don't do this stuff. This is, it's, this is just, it's absolutely, utterly ridiculous. It, just don't do that. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles here is the word we, that is not, this word is um, not really common to our English language, but this word would describe the cunning arts, the craftiness, the deceitfulness of the devil the trickery, to lay a snare for someone, to lay a trap. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand withstand in the evil day. What's the evil day? The evil day is when the adversary comes to you knocking on your door to bring the fight to you. That's the evil day. You'll have more than one of those in your life. And having done all to stand, having done all to stand. Wrestle here is translated from the Greek word pale. Wrestle here, we think Mark, and I'm probably thinking like Macho Man Randy Savage, you know, Jerry Lawler, people like that, Hulk Hogan. Palais in Greek, it, it, the way that this was used in secular Greek, this is how the Greeks would use this word, is that this was a contest between two in which one endeavors to throw the other and with which the, the, the victor is decided because one is able to hold his opponent down with his hand upon his neck. So to get someone by the throat and pin them to the to the ground by their throat. We do not parley against flesh and blood. You do parley against principalities. You do parley against powers. 
and the rulers of the darkness and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Pastor Renner brings this great point here is that there is one word used here multiple times in this passage of Scripture. What word is that? It's, the Greek, it's against, against, against. We do not wrestle against what? Flesh and blood. But we are wrestling against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Against is translated from the Greek word here, pros. I'm going to read you a verse and then give you the definition. So the word pros here that's translated against is translated with in John chapter 1, verse 1, and it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was pros theos, with God. And the word was God. So the word pros here means, in, in, in John 1, it would mean to be almost face to face. The word was pros, with God, face to face with God. Uh, so in this terminal, in this setting, it gives you the understanding that you are going to have close quarters combat, face to face combat with what? Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. He did not say, there's nothing in here mentioned about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, deacons, Sunday school teachers, music people, blah, 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 this and that. No, he says if you are the believer and you serve the Lord, you're going to have to understand you are not going to wrestle against flesh and blood. But you are going to be in close quarters combat with operatives of Satan's kingdom. Flesh and blood is the distraction. Flesh and blood is the waves. So that person that you're having trouble with, that's coming against you for no reason, they're the wave. But there's a supernatural wind behind them. Those problems that are popping up with people that's close in your life that don't make any sense, that have come out of nowhere, that you think it's just a problem spouse or a problem child or a problem this or a problem that, it's important to understand that that problem is only the symptom. And if you don't deal with the way, the, the wind behind that, you will not win the situation. It's very important for you to understand that. And it could be in a marriage. It could be with your children. It could be with friends. It could be with coworkers. It could be with finances. It could be, there's, there's a multitude of different ways that this can go. I want you to look at, we're going to land right here. I want you to look at James chapter 4. I'm going to read to you verse 7. It's a very common passage of Scripture. People love to quote it, but they don't love to live it. I'm going to say that one more time. People love to quote this particular passage of Scripture, but they do not like to live it. Let's prove that. Verse 7 says, Therefore, submit to God. Submit to God, submit to God, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. All right? Submit here is translated from the Greek word hupotasso, and it means to arrange oneself under an authority, to be subordinate, to subject oneself to their authority, to obey. In, it, it was used as a Greek military term looking to, that, to arrange troops 
in a military fashion under the command of a leader. All right? Jesus said, if you love me, do what I tell you to do. If you love me, do not do what I tell you not to do. Okay? So then the question is, how do you submit to God? You receive his word. You hear his word. You receive his word. You choose to then believe his word, and then you apply his word. All right? So a lot of people will say, well, you know, I'm resisting the devil. I'm resisting the devil. I'm resisting the devil. And you see them, and they're posting filthy stuff on Facebook. And, 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 and acting like heathens in public and in private. Huh? Submit, submitting to God is not posting John 3, 16 after you just posted a handful of things with filthy language in it. 1 John 2, 6 says, if we say we abide in him, we ought to walk as he walked. That's what it says. That's what the word says. So if you're born again, then the claim, then the command to you is you're supposed to walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, think like Jesus, act like Jesus, think, smell like Jesus. People are to smell you and go, huh, that's what Jesus smells like. And resist the devil. It's translated from the Greek word antistemi, to stand against, to oppose, to resist, to withstand, to set oneself against. It means I ain't taking crap off the devil including acting like him. So think about it like this. You can't submit to God and resist the devil when you're acting like the devil. When you've done everything that you can in the natural and yet nothing helps. As a matter of fact, it gets worse. Have you had one of these situations? Have you had one of these situations where this great attack, this great storm has arose out of nowhere. It doesn't make any sense. And no matter what I do, it doesn't get better. As a matter of fact, it does nothing but get worse. Wave upon wave, it just keeps beating you. Wave upon wave. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me of that. Yep, you said that to me earlier, and I was supposed to wrote that. I gave you my word, Lord. I'd write that down in my notes, and I didn't. I ask you to forgive me, but I'm going to say it to him right now. Beating you and beating you and beating you. It's time for you to look past the wave and deal with the wind. All right? So let me tell you what the Lord, what the Lord and I were just talking about right there. The Lord said to me earlier today, that I needed to write in my note talking to you about the Greek word diabolos, which is translated devil. So people think that, you know, the word devil is not a proper name. It's important for you to understand that. Devil is a job title. It's a title that describes a method of operation. So oftentimes the adversary, he's called the devil and he's one that's an accuser. He's a slanderer. He's a liar. He's all these things. Well, those are the ways, some ways that he operates. But the Greek word diabolos is a compound word. Dia 
which means to thoroughly penetrate something. So we would think about this as a bow hunter, that the bow hunter wants to fire his arrow and he wants to dia both lungs. He wants to go, he wants his arrow to go in one side, thoroughly penetrate and go out the other side. Dia, bolos, which is, which is a derivative of the word balo. Remember, we just looked at that, epi, balo, to throw upon. Bolos is a derivative of balo, and that means to throw or to hurl. So we see that the primary method of operation that the devil comes against your mind or your heart or your emotions is he gets a hold of something and he begins to hurl it against your mind. Shot after shot after shot after shot. And if he can skew your perception... He can skew your emotions, and if he can do both of these, he can now penetrate the mind and get you making decisions that destroys your life, lives of people around you, and the will of God for your life. Doesn't that sound just like in the waves crashing into the boat one after another? After another. So you'll know that the adversary is operating every time there's a repetitive attack. When he brings that thought, and then 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 he brings that thought. You'll know that the thought is the wave, and there's a supernatural wind that's hurling that against you. And if you don't deal with the wind that Wave being hurled against you will not stop. It's so important to get a hold of this. Hallelujah. This can be true and hitting you in any area of your life. There is no area of your life that's off limits. There is also no limit to the waves the enemy can send against you to wear you out, wear you down, beat against your boat, sink your boat, or render you incapacitated. There's no limit. So if you don't deal with the wind, the waves won't stop. Now you stop. You'll give up and you'll quit. Then the waves stop. Then six months goes by and you go, oh, you know, I kind of like get back in church or, uh, you know, I miss serving the Lord. And then you start going back, and then here come the waves again. Has anybody experienced this? Anybody ever lived this? The demonic wind. (laughs) This is the best part. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God forevermore. The demonic wind that is causing the waves to crash into your boat. Wave after wave after wave after wave does not need to hear the voice of the Lord Jesus. That wind needs to hear your voice filled with His authority and power and faith in His name, and the authority that He has given to you. So if you're asking the Lord to speak to the wind, you're wasting your time. 
Much like he's not telling you to get a shovel to move your mountain. The mountain does not need to hear Jesus' voice. Your mountain needs to hear your voice completely and totally saturated and filled with his authority and power. The wind that's coming against you, that's slamming these waves into your boat, trying to sink your boat, trying to train wreck your life, destroy your life, all this different stuff, needs to hear your voice filled with his authority. This message changed my life. I took the things that was under attack that Wednesday morning, the ministry, my children, friendships, various other things. And I laid all of those out. And I called each one of them by name. And then I began to verbally, I lifted my head and I lifted my voice and I began to speak to the demonic wind that was coming against me in all these situations. And inside of five days' time, what the Lord didn't completely correct, He cleaved the way. In five, day, five days' time, what He did not completely correct, He removed. I know this works. I know this works. I, I saw this work. I took this. I took this. These things, the wind that was causing the waves to slam against my boat and slam against my boat and slam against my boat and slam against me and slam against me and slam against me and slam against me, trying to destroy me, trying to keep me from preaching this gospel, trying to keep me from going here, trying to keep me from going there, trying to keep me from doing this. And I lifted my voice and I began to speak in close quarters combat against the ones that were bringing these winds and causing these waves. And within just a handful of days, one situation that had almost, that almost drowned me was completely cleaved away from me. In other situations, relationships that had been so strained were immediately almost instantaneously within days restored. The ministry podcast has officially reached 43 countries. I found that out in this seven-day period of time. And there's been a huge breakthrough on a book that I'm working on that the devil had, been, had killed for four years and I didn't even know it that will be going into publication around the world in just, a sh in just a short period of time. That all busted loose after I took this, after I took these things. And I said, you have no power here. I speak to the wind. And I command the waves. Within 24 hours, my strength returned, my energy returned, my appetite returned, my sleep returned, my naturally charming personality returned. It was a stretch.
This works, ladies and gentlemen. This works. If you will take this and believe it and do it, this will absolutely shatter the adversary's power that he's had in your life. doesn't make any difference how long it's been there. And the Lord took me back, and he showed me over the last couple of days. He said to me, he said, this is what happened here and destroyed this situation. 2019, I had three sets of just devastating events take place. And the Lord showed me, this is what happened to this one, this is what happened to this one, and this is what happened to this one. Other than being than Jesus Christ and Him crucified, this is probably the truest message I think I've ever preached in my life. It's the most important message. Because I may not be able to get people to believe that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. But if I can get you to see how the adversary attacks, then you can do something about it in your own life. And the point of this is, you take this teaching and give it to as many people as you can give it to. Share the podcast, share the video, share Brother Rick. I'm going to share his stuff. Take my notes. Go through my notes, comb through my notes, make your own notes, and whatever the Lord adds to it, and preach it. But take this to people. I sent this message to probably 10 pastors in different states. I said, you've got to listen to this. And if they care about their people, they'll listen to that message, and they'll take that, and they'll preach that to their people and help their people deal with the adversary in close quarters combat. I pray this message strengthened, blessed, and encouraged you. You can find Word of Life Ministries on YouTube and Facebook. Just look for the guy with the cowboy hat on.